we bow our heads together again in prayer our precious Heavenly Father it is a great privilege that we have to gather in in your presence you promise to be among us where two or three are gathered in your name Lord, I pray that you would help us to not take that lightly, that you are in our midst. And so, Lord, with you in our midst, help us to come to your word together today. We ask you to remove the distractions from our hearts and minds and lives, even if it's just for a few moments this morning, so that we can focus on the truths of your word, the promises that we behold here. Father, we have a week ahead of us in which to serve you, in which to live for you. So prepare us for that, we ask. Help us to see the truths in your word provided for us long before this world world existed, your, your word existed. Your word in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh and how grateful we must be for Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that as we gather together, help us to have grateful hearts, ready and and willing minds to be taught by your word and your Holy Spirit, and hands and feet that are ready to go and practice what you teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 4 this morning? Colossians chapter 4 going to look together at verses 3 and 4, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Will you forgive me for asking you to stand one more time? Can we stand together if you're able? As we read these verses, I want you to look at them in your copy of the Scriptures and and follow along as I read Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You may be seated. We come to verses 3 and 4 in Colossians 4, continuing our study here in Colossians. After being away from Colossians for a few weeks, in verse 2, I want to to bring you back to what we studied in verse 2 to help bring this thinking back to your mind. And, And even if you weren't here, you'll be... Uh, you'll be informed about where we've been a bit as we looked at verse 2 on the subject and topic of prayer also. Several weeks ago, we noted that our praying as believers and as a church should be characterized by three things. The first characteristic of our praying is that is that of faithfulness. The first characteristic of our praying is to be faithfulness. Paul first tells the church at Colossae to continue steadfastly in prayer. 
Go back and look at verse 2 with me, would you please? Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. The idea here is that they were to be persistent and consistent in prayer. Steadfast in prayer is persistence in prayer. Don't give up your prayer for that loved one who needs the Lord. Keep praying. Keep praying for that neighbor who needs Christ. Keep praying for that loved one who's straying from the Lord. Don't give up that prayer. Be persistent. Also, be consistent. Pray daily. Pray often throughout the day. Be in an attitude of prayer throughout your day, taking to the Lord the things that you face at every moment of the day. Easier said than done, right? But consistent. And be courageous in your praying. They were to be, Paul challenged them, to be steadfast in their prayers, to be consistent, to be persistent, to be courageously so. They were to be faithful in prayer. They were to be devoted to prayer. It was something they were to give themselves to wholeheartedly. That's an important reminder for us. Because that is not the natural inclination of our hearts, is it? To give ourselves wholeheartedly to prayer. Some of us just want to do something. You know, just, let's just get something done. Let's just do something. Pray. Let's just do something. But as followers of Christ, let's never forget that we are to give ourselves wholeheartedly to prayer. Some important, important reasons for that that we're going to talk about this morning. Reminders that help us understand why we ought to be devoted to prayer. We noted, secondly, that our praying is also to be characterized by discernment or, or watchfulness. Paul says they were to be watchful in prayer. And I like the idea of discernment here, and I think it's uh, applicable because uh, we need to be discerning in this world in which we live. We need to be watchful in this world in which we live. The idea here is that they were to keep alert, to stay on guard and be watchful and keep alert in their prayers. And you might be thinking, well, be watchful and keep alert for what? Well, for instance, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You don't take that lightly, do you? You shouldn't. Because we should be watchful. We should be careful. We should be discerning about the kinds of things that come into our lives and influence our thinking. We should be watchful and discerning in prayer about the things that we allow into our lives, like through the ear gate of the heart and the eye gate of the heart, the things we see and hear, because Satan, the one who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking seeking someone to devour, would like to use the things that go through our eyes and through our ears and reach our hearts to influence us away from prayer and away from godly things, and away from thinking heavenly thoughts like we learned about in Colossians 3. The things of God, the things that are Christ-honoring. And so, be discerning. Be watchful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. Be discerning. Thirdly, our praying is also to be characterized by thankfulness. How could we possibly pray without being thankful? Well, you all know that that happens at times, right? We go, come on, Lord, please help me with this problem right here. This is just, you know, this is the only thing I'm asking for today. It'll be something different tomorrow. But today, this is my problem, all right? And we can plead and plead and never 
thank God for His many, many blessings, His abundant grace and mercy on us. You see, our praying is to be characterized by thankfulness, Paul says, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. One of the ways the believer guards his or her heart from Satan's ploys to lead them away from prayer and to lead, lead them away from, from faithfulness to God in their daily living is to make them a thankless believer. One of the ways that Satan would blind you to the truth of God's Word is to, is to bring into your heart an attitude of thanklessness, of ingratitude. And one of the ways that God chooses to guard your heart is to help make you a thankful believer. The thanksgiving believer, the person of gratitude and thankfulness to God for all things, is guarded against Satan's ploys to defeat and discourage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16-18 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I like the bookends of rejoicing and thankfulness in prayer, right? Verses 16 and 17 and 18, Rejoice always, the rejoiceful bookend. <laughs> pray without ceasing in the middle. And then give thanks in all circumstances, the thankful bookend, right? Oh, how we must be faithful in prayer, discerning and watchful in prayer, and, and above all, thankful in prayer for God's many blessings and mercies. The thanksgiving believer has a, you see, that, that person has a deep-rooted understanding that whatever comes their way, they can be thankful that God allowed it. Not necessarily thankful for a difficulty, but thankful that God knows better than I do. Thankful that God is in control even when I know I'm not. Thankful that God gave His Son Jesus Christ to redeem me from the penalty of sin in which the world kind of groans under the weight of sin right now. Thankful that though we suffer, that Christ reigns and Christ is victorious, and we will be with Christ victorious. Last week, we were preparing to enter a new year, and now we have, right? And I challenged you then that to properly face what lies ahead in 2008 and beyond, there was something else that would be helpful for us in our praying. I encouraged you that I would be praying these things for you. This is John Piper's IOUS prayer that I talked about last week, the acronym IOUS. I encourage you that I'm praying for this for you in the year ahead, and I'm asking that you would pray this for me in the year ahead and beyond. That, that we would incline our hearts to God's Word. That's the I. I'm praying for you, and I want you to pray for me and pray for one another, that we would incline our hearts to God's Word, that we would be drawn to and in love with God's Word and, and soaking in God's Word daily. I'm also praying for you, and I want you to pray for me and for one another, that God will open our eyes to see wonderful things when we read His Word. That He'll open our eyes, not just to blindly read, read the printed words and go, yep, those are words in the Bible. But, the, but that God's words would mean something to us and that we, we would have eyes that are open to see the truths that He has for us here. 
Thirdly, pray that we would have hearts united in the fear of God rather than fragmented over a dozen concerns because we all have things going on in our lives and we could read God's Word and see the powerful truth. Wow, that's a powerful truth, but I don't know how that applies to me because I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about that and I've got this problem and that heartache and that difficulty and this challenge. And, and my thinking can be fragmented over a dozen concerns rather than united in God's Word and the blessings that He gives to us there and, 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 and doing so in the fear of the Lord because I, I reverentially fear and respect His Word and want to obey it in my life. So pray that your, your hearts, I'm praying that your hearts, I'm praying that, that our hearts will be united as well, but that your heart will be united in the fear of God rather than fragmented over dozens of concerns. Not that those concerns don't exist, but that you will be rooted in God's Word and that you will be centered on God's Word and so that the things, the challenges that would, that would fragment your thinking are out there and they have to be dealt with. But they're dealt with from the wisdom that God is giving you from His Word. The truth that you're seeing when He opens your eyes after He inclines your heart to that Word. And then fourthly, pray that we'll be satisfied in those things. Satisfied in His steadfast love. Inclined to the Word, eyes open to understand what we see. United in the Word, united in the fear of the Lord. And then satisfied in those things that He gives us. And we can deal with these peripheral things that challenge us and sometimes discourage us and sometimes cause us to mourn. But centered in and founded in God's Word. That's what we ought to pray for. Pray for me, please, these things. I want to pray for you in the year ahead and beyond these things. Now, it is with that kind of a foundation from Colossians and the passages that we looked at from the Psalms last week, it was with that kind of a foundation, that kind of a framework on our foundation built for prayer that we come today to examine Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And I want to ask you a question to prepare your thinking for this passage. I want to ask you a question to, to help you think about how this passage that we, that we read a few moments ago, Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4, how this applies to us today. And here's the question. What should we be praying for that we might accomplish as a church for God's glory in the year ahead and beyond? What should we be praying for that we might accomplish as a church for God's glory in the year ahead and beyond. Now, if I went around the room and we stopped and took answers and I asked you to tell me what you thought, my guess is, is that we would come up with some different things. Uh, but that's why we need God's Word, because God's Word has some answers for us here in this passage, and I want to take you to God's answer. But first, I want you to think with me about what some of our answers might sound like. Should we pray for... And we could pray for this, but should we? Should we pray for more people? Should we pray that God would bring more people? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe there's something better to pray for. Should we pray for more members? Well, I think, you know, more, more people is one thing, and you can have a lot more people and not be the church that, that glorifies God. Maybe what we really need is more members, people who are committed to the work that we're doing here at Higgins Lake Baptist Church and want to be a part of that, and who say, I will identify with the church as a, as a member. Do we want to pray for more members? How about this? Should we pray for 
a, a grand vision for years to come? Should we just pray that, that God will give us a grand vision so that we can say, you know, ten years from now, we think this is what God wants us to be. And to get to that point ten years from now, we need to do these things. So let's start this grand vision. Let's, let's see this grand vision afar off and let's, let's pursue that and let's follow A, B, C, and D to, to accomplish the ten-year grand vision. Is that it? Do we need to pray that God would give us a grand vision for years to come? Should we pray for more giving? That, that people will just give and give more and more so that we have more money to do things for God's glory. To send more missionaries. To, maybe we need to build a bigger building. Maybe we should pray that God will help us build a bigger building so that we can have more people. Maybe if we build a bigger building, they'll come. Sounds familiar. If you build it, they'll come, right? Maybe we need more land because maybe that you know, a bigger building needs a bigger parking lot and you know, more, more activities and things like that. Maybe that's what we ought to pray for. Good things? I think those are okay things. Are those the things that we should be praying about in the year ahead and beyond? Or is there something else that could be more important than any of those things? Those who join us for our Wednesday evening prayer time each week know that we often remind you to pray for the church. We remind you to pray for this church and and I need to remind you, occasionally I, I want to remind you that you know this building is not the church. I thought about having put out on the sign occasionally, it would be a neat thing to have the sign say, Higgins Lake Baptist Church meets here. I've seen church signs like that. Have you ever seen a church sign that says that? Higgins Lake Baptist Church meets here. Because this building is not Higgins Lake Baptist Church. Okay, You are Higgins Lake Baptist Church. Now if we all went out, I don't think the ice would hold us, but if we all went out in the middle of Higgins Lake today, that's where Higgins Lake Baptist Church would be, literally, right? Because we are the church. And I ask you, and we remind you during our Wednesday evening prayer times, to pray for the church. And if you want to pray intelligently for the church, there's some things in Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, that will help us. But the reason we pray for the church, and we don't stop just praying about this church, but we pray about the church in general, because God's church is global, we are part of the church, but we are, we are the local church, okay? We're the local church, Higgins Lake Baptist Church, but we are part of the church, God's church. Because those who believe in and stand on the authority of God's word and preach and teach the authority of God's word and obey God's word, that, those are people who are, who are part of God's church, okay? And there are many places that call themselves churches that aren't churches because they don't believe in the authority of God's word. All right, but but remember, we're part of a larger church, and so we pray for this church on Wednesday nights, and we pray for the church, the one in this community and globally, worldwide. Now I've gone on and on and on about praying for the church, and you might be wondering, well, why? You know, why? Why do you pray for the church? Well, we pray for the church, and we pray for this church, and we pray for the church for a very important reason. It's because there are so many churches, which I mentioned a moment ago, that call themselves churches, that, that don't preach and teach God's Word anymore. Maybe they did at one time. And they've strayed from God's Word. And they've almost literally, if not literally, closed the book and laid it aside and they're preaching something else. There are churches that call themselves churches that never did preach God's Word. 
And we pray for the church that there are churches who have strayed from God who need to come back so that they will come back. We pray that God will bring them back and shake them and wake them up and bring them back to His Word, to preaching and believing in and standing on and firmly and boldly teaching the truths of God's Word. And we pray for the church so that those who are preaching and teaching the Word won't go that route, won't be numbered among them, won't leave God's Word. We need to pray that for ourselves, that we will never stray from God's truths. We're not beyond that. We're no better than the next group of people down the road, okay? So we need to pray for ourselves that we will never stray from God's Word. And in the passage before us, I want you to see what Paul's plea is for the church, the things that they in Colossae should be praying for. And this is for us, too. What was to be the focus of their praying? Now, if we answer that, the answer to that question will help us know what we should be praying for as a church in the year ahead and and beyond. What does Paul tell the Colossian church that they should pray for? Well, he urges them to pray for two things. And I want to encourage you to write these down so that you'll remember them, so that you will pray them. He encourages them to pray for two things. He urges them to pray first for an open door for the Word. Look at Colossians 4.3 again. Colossians 4.3 says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word. Now put another way, he urges them to pray for the hearts of the hearers to be open. I want you to note that. It's, it's on the screen for you. It will stay there for a couple minutes. Pray for the hearts of the hearers to be open. Or as Paul says, pray for an open door for the word. Pray for the hearts of the hearers to be open. Now what is an open door for the word? Well, an open door for the word is an open heart. A heart, a life that is receptive to the word. An open heart, a receptive hearer, is an open door to the Word. A person who will hear God's Word and will listen to God's Word. An open door in the life of an unbeliever is a heart that is open to hearing God's truths and then believing in the gospel truth of Jesus Christ and then doing something about it. And that something is confessing their sin and believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's an open door for the word in the life of an unbeliever. An open door in the life of a believer would be much the same, except that they've already trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They've always already confessed that they're sinners in need of a Savior and turned to Him in saving faith. But they still need to hear the word. And they still need to have an open door, an open heart. They need to be receptive to what God is teaching them and challenging them from, from His word. And then they need to act on it as well. They need to keep believing and keep acting on God's Word. So an open door for a believer is a person who's trusted Jesus Christ but is remaining open to God to teach them and change them and to change their thinking about their lives and to change their thinking about the world in which we live and to have the mind changed by God's Word. That's an open door. Paul uses similar statements at other times to indicate that there were hearts of hearers that were open to the work of the Word of God one of those times is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, where he speaks of his travel plans being affected because there was an open door for the effective work. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A wide door for effective work has opened to me. A wide door is open. A door that Paul wants to go through with the message of Jesus Christ. Now, are there adversaries? There certainly are, because he mentions that there are many adversaries. And you and I might look around and say, you know, the climate, the political climate in our nation is like, you know, why can't people in a public school pray anymore? Somebody said Wednesday night that the ACLU was all upset because there were pictures of Marines praying and they didn't want them to pray anymore. And I said, you can't tell Marines that they can't pray. You can't do that. For one thing, they're armed, you know. (laughs) For another thing, that's a personal thing, isn't it? It's silly, isn't it? Some of the things we look at in our nation and we say, where are we going? Where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in ten years? What's going to happen next? What's going to be taken from us next? You know, there are things that, that people are trying to get on the laws they call hate speech laws that I think eventually could make it illegal to preach against sin. Could you imagine what will happen when, when faithful preachers of the Word continue to do what God commands them to do? They will go to jail, right? And we must be willing to do that. If that ever happens in our society where they say, no, 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 you can't talk about sin. You can't preach about sin because that makes people feel bad and that's hate speech. I'll tell you what, God gave us His Word so that we would feel bad about our sin and expel it from our lives and turn to Jesus Christ in saving faith. Could things get bad? Could there be many adversaries like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 16, 9 where he says... A wide door for effective ministry is open. There are many adversaries, but there's a wide door of opportunity. You ever stop to think that God might open the door wide and give us a tremendous opportunity for ministry and at the same time allow there to be great adversaries? Are you ready for that? I want to be ready for that. That's why I'm asking you to pray for the church and to pray for me, and I want to pray for you. Another time when Paul uses language like that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He also speaks of a door of opportunity being open. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Listen, there was a door of opportunity that he noticed. He recognized that there was an opportunity. There, were, there was a time that he's talking about here where there's an unusual effectiveness for the Word to do its work because there was an open door. Now what we learn from the admonition from Paul here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 to pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word, is that, and I want you to listen to this because this is important, what we learn here is that when God's people earnestly pray, God works in the circumstances to give an opportunity for the Word to do an unusually effective work, and God works in the hearts and the minds of the hearers to open a door for the Word to do an unusually effective work. When God's people do what? Pray. When God's people pray. That's why from time to time you'll hear me say, our Wednesday prayer time, 
probably the most important service in the whole week. When God's people gather to pray. And that's just how we should be praying every week. We should be praying this every week. This is not new to us. This is how we should be praying every week. For every Sunday service that's ahead, we should be praying this way for next Sunday. We should be praying this way for every opportunity that the gospel has to be preached and taught. That, That when that word is being preached and taught, that there is an open door. That there are hearts and minds that are receptive and and ready to do something about what they hear. We should be praying that way at all times. Pray earnestly. Pray faithfully. Pray for the hearers that the hearers will be open. And make that your earnest prayer. Make it a prayer that you pray faithfully that God will break open the doors for the Word of God to pass through into the lives of people. Pray that it will be so powerful that they must respond. That their hearts will be attentive to what God wants to teach them and that they they must respond. And that the lives of unbelievers will be Changed in that they will repent of their sin and turn to Jesus Christ in saving faith. And the lives of believers will also be changed in that they will be convicted of their sin and turn to Jesus Christ for His power and strength to live as believers every day. I want you to think with me about this for a moment, about what Paul is asking. You see, the very purpose of our existence as a church is to do this. It's to carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to unbelievers. The very purpose for our existence is not so that we can have fellowships, although we have fellowships, because we need to be encouraged and built up for this task. This is the task that we need to be built up and encouraged for, for leading people to Jesus Christ in the world in which we live. That's why we exist as a church. And that happens through our lives lived for Christ in this community. And lives lived for Christ in this community only happens when we gather together and we teach and we admonish and we correct and help people and encourage people to live for Jesus Christ when they leave those two doors. And the key to the effectiveness of our presence in this community. The key to the effectiveness of our preaching and teaching and living for Jesus Christ. The the key to the effectiveness of all of the ministry that we do is prayer. Do you realize how important prayer is? You see, the key is not more people. The key is not more money. The key is not bigger buildings and more land. The key is not a grand vision for years to come. The key is prayer. So pray for the hearts of hearers to be open. Pray for an open door for the Word of God to pass through. Paul also urges them to pray for the preacher. Pray for the minister that he will be able to declare the ministry of the gospel of Christ clearly. 
Or put another way, he wants them to pray for the heart of the herald to be prepared. You know, a herald is someone who proclaims, especially proclaims the truth. As, you know, we're talking about the scriptures here. A herald proclaims the truth of God's word. That's a preacher. That's a minister. That's someone who goes out and tells their neighbor about Jesus Christ. You are heralding the truth of Jesus Christ. That's a Sunday school teacher when they sit down with a little two, three, four, five year old and say, here's a story from God's Bible. This is true. This really happened. You can trust in God because he loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. That's a herald. I'm a herald. The person who gets up and sings, occasionally we have someone come and do special music, and they open their mouths and they sing words that are based on Scripture to encourage people to be obedient to God's Word. That's a herald. We need to pray for that person that they will be prepared. Pray for the heart of the herald to be prepared. Look at Colossians 4.3 again. That's on the screen for you to write down. We'll leave it there for a few moments. Pray for the heart of the herald to be prepared. But look at Colossians 4.3 and 4 again. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. We're going to talk about that statement tonight a little bit. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. To declare the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. See, Paul not only commends them to praying for an open door, but he also urges them to pray that for, for that thing that needs to go through the door. There must be a message. And there must be a clear message. The mystery of Christ is the message, and its message, it's a message that needs to be made clear to those who are open to hearing the truth. And its message, it's a message that the herald proclaims, the preacher proclaims, the witness proclaims. The minister must speak clearly. The minister must declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ clearly. And this is an earnest prayer for all who minister the Word, not just the preacher, but also those who declare the Word in their Sunday school classes, those who declare the Word as they sing special music, and all of us, really, who declare the Word as we did this morning when we lifted our voices in worship and song. Did you ever stop to think about the words that we sing being a ministry to those around you? The words that we worship with ought to minister to your own heart. And so we ought to pray before we gather here on Sundays that as we worship together, as we sing the words that are, that are based on God's Word in these songs that we sing, that these would be ready to be taken in through the doors that are open, that there would be doors that are open, and that we would be able to make it clear when we worship together. From time to time, we have to be careful about some, some songs we sing. As we're looking at a song to sing, we go, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's not scriptural. We can't sing that song. Because we're singing songs that are based on scripture. They're God's truths, maybe put in, in human terms that, that are not from the Bible, word for word, but are put in our terms that we sing together. And those, we ought to pray that God would use those. Prepare the hearts and prepare those who sing those words and herald those words to make it clear. 
It's a striking thing to me too that of all people Paul was asking for himself that God's people would pray that he would declare the gospel clearly. Would you, do you find that interesting that Paul was saying, pray for me that I'll declare the gospel clearly? Paul, think about how much of Scripture in the New Testament is, is from the pen of Paul, inspired by God, but from the pen of Paul, right? And he was saying, I need you to pray for me so that I can make the gospel clear. Let me just tell you, I need your prayers. I'm not Paul. <laughs> You're going like, no kidding. <laughs> I'm not Paul. Right? I need your prayers like a thousand times more than he needed their prayers. So will you pray for me? And will you pray for the person who sings God's truths? And will you pray for us as a church as we go into this community and tell people about Christ? We need your prayers. Because we need to have hearts that are prepared. We need to be prepared to speak clearly the truths of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is our hope from this text today. That our persistent, earnest, thankful praying is the key that opens the door to the ministry of the Word in the lives of people, and it's the key that opens the door for the boldness and clarity of the proclamation of the Word to those people as as the herald proclaims the Word, the mystery of the Gospel of Christ. Prayer is the key that opens those doors. Prayer is the key that opens the door of the heart of the person who needs to hear God's Word. And prayer is the key that helps make the minister clear as he presents the gospel. I want to give you a challenge this morning. I want to give you the challenge by reading to you a story. Wesley Duell writes in his book, Let God Guide You Daily. He writes a story about Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell was a minister of the United Free Church of Scotland. He was a a personal friend of Wesley Duell. Wesley Duell has written about prayer, a few books I know of. And he told Wesley Duell many stories about God's amazing guidance during the late 1950s and 1960s in the the Hebrides. Those are the islands just west of Scotland where, where Campbell was serving. On the Monday after... Easter in 1952, Duncan was seated on the platform after speaking to the Faith Mission Convention in Bangor, Northern Ireland, when he, when, as, as Duell writes, when he sensed the inner voice say to him, Burneray, Burneray. That's a small island in the Hebrides. Duncan bowed his head and prayed silently. Again came the name, Burneray. He prayed on, and the name came a third time. So Campbell turned to the chairman and whispered, Brother, you need to excuse me. The Holy Spirit has just told me that I need to go go to Burneray. The chairman objected mildly. You are the speaker tomorrow. Which is what I would do. Wait, you can't leave. But nothing could stop him. He knew the Spirit had spoken. He reminded Wesley Duell, 
Quote, I had never been to Bernere, had never known anyone from there, and had never received a letter from anyone from there. He went to the hotel, packed his two suitcases, and contacted the airport. There were no connections with Bernere because it was too small and out of the way. So he caught the first flight to the nearest island. When he got there, he went down to the, clo- the coast and asked how to get to Bernere. The answer from a fisherman was that there is no usual commercial way, but that he would take him for such and such an amount. It was the amount that, almost the exa- exact amount that Campbell had in his pocket. When they got to Bernere, the fisherman returned and, and left Campbell alone on the shore. He climbed the bluff and found himself on the edge of a plowed field and a farmer not far away. He said, please go to the nearest pastor and tell him Duncan Campbell has arrived. The, the farmer responded, we don't have a minister from the church, uh, for the church now. Do you have elders, Campbell asked. Yes. All right, go to the nearest elder and tell him Duncan Campbell has arrived. The farmer looked at him quizzically, which is what I would have done. Then he started off across the field as Campbell rested on his suitcases. After a while, the farmer returned and said, The elder was expecting you. He has a place ready for you. He has announced the meetings begin at 9 o'clock tonight. While Campbell had been ministering in the convention at Bangor three days earlier, this elder had spent the day praying in his barn for God to send revival to the island. God gave him the promise in Hosea 14.5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He claimed it in faith. His wife in the house heard him praying in the barn. Lord, I don't know where he is, but you know how, you know, and, and with you all things are possible. You send him to the island, was his prayer. He knew in his heart that God was going to send Duncan Campbell, who had been used in a mighty revival in other parts of Scotland, and bring him to Burnray. He was so sure that he would be there in three days that he made all the arrangements to use the local church and had announced the services. Wesley Duell goes on to say that great revival came to the island of Bernere and a great door for the word was opened that no man could shut because God opened it. He draws out this lesson, quote, When God has people who prevail in prayer and people who know how to recognize the voice of the Spirit and obey without question, there is no limit to what God can do. Let me repeat a statement, that statement from Duel that I just read. When God has people who will prevail in prayer and people who know how to recognize the voice of the Spirit and obey without question, there is no limit to what God can do. That's an interesting, a powerful, and true statement. My question for you today is this. Will you be those people who prevail in prayer for the ministry of the Word here at Higgins Lake Baptist Church? Will you pray? Will you pray with me daily? Will you pray earnestly and fervently and faithfully that God will open the hearts of the hearers and prepare the heart of the herald to speak the mystery of Christ clearly? Will you pray? Because I believe that's what God wants us to do in the year ahead and beyond. Pray for an open door and pray for a clear message. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning.
Thankful that You've given us Your Word. Thankful that You've given us the experience of others in Your Word who've gone long before us, as Paul did, as many others have, to preach and teach the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to pray. And help us to pray that You would open to us a door for the Word. That we might declare the mystery of Christ the way we ought to, clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.